Hey, good morning, faith family. How's everybody? Doing well? If you got a Bible, go to Galatians chapter 3. We continue this morning in our Set Free series. You're going to notice as you look around a few more empty seats this morning for this service. Um, and it just kind of reminds me to be in prayer. Um, we have about, I'm going to guess, somewhere around 250 uh, junior high, high school students and leaders that are away on retreat this weekend, uh, which is awesome. And so uh, uh, just be in prayer that God uh, is at work and, and um, just does some pretty awesome things uh, during their time. So we're glad you're here. Uh, if you're visiting with us, the last several weeks we've been talking about this word, freedom. Uh, not from kind of a political standpoint or a, a relationship kind of deal, but, but the kind of freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, the kind of freedom uh, that we have in God, true freedom. In fact, we've been saying that if the Son has set you free, you are truly free. You're free indeed. That's right. And, and we want this to be something that you don't just know about, but that you actually start experiencing and living in a real way. Uh, that's what the Christian life is meant to be. So what I thought I would do as a way of encouraging you uh, before we get to the text this morning is I would like to read just a couple of emails that I've received this week, some testimonies uh, as to what God is doing in the lives of people uh, through this series. And uh, we want to hear from you as well. And so if you've got a testimony, email us, uh, let us know what God is doing in, in your life. So I, want, I hope this will encourage you this morning. Here's one email I received, quote, my eyes have been opened. I heard that, I've heard that being saved sets you free, but I now understand it on a whole new level. Even after being saved, we don't measure up, we can't, it's impossible, and trying to is sin. Whew! What a burden lifted. Focus on the vine, that is Jesus, and God will bear fruit through me. I went uh, to have coffee the other day with one of my friends, and we were both excited. Uh, my friend was trying to put into words what she's been feeling, and the word free just came out of my mouth. And we both exclaimed, yes, I am learning, growing, seeing, and changing in ways I never expected. That's awesome. Here's a second email. Um, quote, I was trying to find my identity through relationships and what other people thought of me. After two failed marriages... And one broken engagement, I realized that putting God at the top of the list was priority. I didn't realize I was in bondage to my obsession with being a good wife. And so when that failed, I thought I had nothing left. It was at this time that I felt like I needed to get involved at Berean in the women's ministry. I had been miserably depressed for 10 years and at times begged God to take my life. But now I have so much joy, I can feel it pouring out of me. I wear this amazing grace ring with a chain to remind me that my chains are gone and I have been set free. Brian has helped completely transform my life. Isn't that awesome? I mean, to go from, I was praying, I was praying that God would take my life to now I'm overflowing with joy 
because God has set me free. One more. This was a text message I got uh, this week. It says, this Galatians series has shook me up spiritually. I love this. And helped this old Christian of 50 plus years to be free indeed. You see, even old people can be free, right? So I'm not saying that's any of you, right? And, and then he just says, it has renewed my daily walk with Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. That's what this series is all about, faith family. Hear me. Hear my heart. I don't want to just come together on Sunday and talk about this. I want us to begin to, like these testimonies, experience real freedom. And for some of you, it's not going to be like, you know, just boom, one day everything's over and, and all the chains are gone. But, but the process begins of saying no to the bondage we've been living in and yes to the freedom that's in Christ. Now, how this has all kind of been uh, uh, summarized in the book of Galatians is this. Are y'all with me this morning? Here's kind of been the summary. Freedom starts... When you realize you don't have to live for approval, you can live from approval. That is, rather than being in bondage of having to justify yourself to be right before God or in the eyes of others, you realize that we have all the justification, all the approval we need in Jesus. That's the book of Galatians. That's the book of Galatians. And what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to press. Some of y'all are fired up. I love this, all right? I want to press this further into our minds and our hearts to really get it. I want the light bulb to go off and realize this living for approval is bondage. And it's insanity in, in terms of what Scripture is going to teach us this morning. So let's look at Galatians 3, beginning at verse 1. If you're able to stand, please do so. Uh, very tough passage this morning, but, but I, I pray that God will give us clarity to what it's teaching. Galatians 3, verse 1, Paul says, Oh, foolish Galatians. How's that for an introduction, right? Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly betrayed and crucified, as crucified. Uh, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish that having begun by the Spirit, you're now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does He do that by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness, knowing then that it was those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law, that is what they do, are under a curse. Because it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it's evident. And it really is. It's evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. 
Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Whew! That's a big boy passage, all right? So uh, pray for me, would you please? Like right now, as we pray, um, ask God to give me strength um, that he would um, speak through this very frail human being and that he would um, really teach us this morning. So God, we bow before you now. Um, I'm very aware of my uh, desperate need for you to do what you do in this moment. Um, freedom is real. It's real. And it can be experienced in our life. But we've, we've got to get the right mindset about our life. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will use this passage to teach us uh, what it means to be free from bondage. And I pray all this to the glory of Jesus. In his name we pray. God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. It happened when uh, Lauren was 33 years old. Uh, she woke up in the morning for what she thought was going to be a normal day. She, she got in the car. She was driving to work like she did most every morning, uh, but she never arrived. She ended up driving for several hours, and when she finally kind of came to, uh, she realized she was in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and it was 3.30 a.m. in the morning. She had no idea how she got there. So she grabbed a hotel room to get at least a little bit of sleep. And when she woke up a few hours later, she noticed uh, some clothes hanging over the chair. And she had no idea whose clothes they were. She noticed a purse over on the, on the counter. And she had no idea who it belonged to. This panic began to set in. Uh, this, this nervousness began to build, and she quickly ran to the bathroom, and she looked into the mirror, and she didn't recognize her own face. She had no idea who she was. You see, Lauren had fallen into a dark fog of amnesia, that somewhere from that point of leaving for work and actually arriving at work, she lost all sense of identity. She had no idea who she was. And for the next year of her life, Lauren went through what's called memory therapy. For an entire year, she had to work through the process of getting her life back, of getting her relationships back, and getting her identity back. Now that's unfortunate, but it's not uncommon. In fact, I think what happened to Lauren actually happens to all of us, not necessarily mentally or physically, but spiritually. Come here for just a minute, faith family. That is somewhere in the morning between leaving for our normal day and getting to whatever it is we need to get to, whether that is school, whether that is work, whatever it may be, we forget who we are. 
We have what Paul Tripp calls identity amnesia. That is, as the people of God, we don't relate on a daily basis to our identity in God. We define ourselves horizontally. We define our acceptance based on our relationship, our successes, and what we do, rather than who we really are in Christ. And when that happens, listen, faith family, we, we start living um, in a delusion. Life becomes dysfunctional. Uh, Paul Tripp says it this way, and this is so insightful, and it sets up our passage well. He says, as a Christian, listen, as a Christian, when you have confusion about identity, you are a sitting duck for sins insanity. Think about that. When you lose a sense of who you are, of your identity, you're a sitting duck for sin's insanity. In other words, you start to become foolish in the way you think about your life. That is exactly, now hang with me, that's exactly what's happened to the Galatians, and I fear it happens to us. Look at verse 1. Paul says, Oh, foolish Galatians. Now, this idea of foolishness is not silliness. It's, it's lacking discernment. Uh, think Proverbs. There's the way of wisdom and there's the way of folly or foolishness. And the way of folly doesn't have any discernment about reality at all. That's what Paul is saying. You're foolish. You've lost discernment. Not only that, but he says, who has bewitched you? Now, bewitched is not an old television program, right? Some of you will remember that. It's this idea of um, like, like uh, somebody's put a spell on you. Have you ever seen anybody hypnotized? You ever seen anybody wake up after, am, after uh, anesthesia and they're like a little loopy and talking outside their mind? Well, that's what Paul was saying. It's like somebody's hypnotized you. It's like you're in some kind of a trance. Why? Keep reading. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Follow me. Paul's not saying that you were there physically when Jesus was crucified. He's saying, when I taught you, when I preached, when I shared my life, Jesus Christ was exalted. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ was clearly taught. And yet, you're living in a delusion. Yet, you're living foolishly. In other words, what you know and how you live are disconnected. Why? Because what is the spell of the Judaizers? What is the spell that the Galatians have fallen under? It's a works-based acceptance. It's that what you do is who you are. It's Jesus plus something that you do, the works of the law, that makes you accepted. Now, here's the warning for us. Think about this. You can be faithfully taught, yet foolishly live. Amen? 
This is what, this is what really concerns me, right? Is that we could actually sit here every Sunday and have Christ proclaimed and have the gospel clearly taught and yet go out into the world and live according to a different gospel, which isn't a gospel because it isn't good news. Here's what I mean. You and I are living every day in a merit-based culture. We see it everywhere. Are you kidding me? That's not a slam against the Boy Scouts. It's a, this, this is acceptance in our culture, is it not? How many badges do you have? How many frequent flyer miles have you flown? What are your grades in school? What is your performance in the workplace? Your raises are based on merit. You are living constantly in that world. And here's the rub. Because our culture is based on merit, it can be hard to accept a kingdom that's based on mercy. Let that set for a minute. See, here's what I'm trying to say. I hope I'm saying it clearly. We can be just like the Galatians. Have the gospel clearly taught and yet go out into a merit-based culture and fall under a spell. The spell that your identity is based horizontally rather than vertically. That your approval and acceptance is based on what you do. I'm not saying, don't misunderstand me right here. I'm not saying that the merit-based culture is wrong or bad. I'm saying it will hypnotize you and it will steal your freedom. Because the kingdom of God, newsflash, is nothing like this culture. Thank you, God. Right? Because it's not based on merit, it's based on grace. And that's really good news. So, so because we have the tendency, like the Galatians, to slip into the spell of identity amnesia and forget who we are, forget the gospel, uh, uh, try to base our approval based on what we do, Paul needs to knock some sense into the Galatians. And he needs to kind of smack us around with the, the truth of the gospel, and that's exactly what he's going to do in the next few verses. Now, this is a, a difficult uh, passage, but, but here's the thing at Berean, if you're new, we don't skip hard passages, right? And so we're just going to work through the text, and here's what I'm going to show you. Paul is going to say, um, if you really think that what you do and how you live, your morality is the basis for your approval, you're literally, biblically, and maybe even clinically insane, There is no such room for thinking that way as a child of God. Here we go. Six proofs. Six proofs that that way of thinking that my approval is based on what I do is insane and against the gospel. You're thinking six proofs probably three o'clock this afternoon, roughly around that that time. All right, we're going to go through this quickly. The first one that Paul gives is conversion. That is, we're answering the question that approval is based on faith in Jesus, not by our works. Look at verse 2. He asked the question, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Now, Paul is talking here about uh, when they became a Christian. Uh, Newsflash, um, 
When you became a Christian, you received the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? Y'all with me? Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. Amen? There's not like those Christians over here who have the Holy Spirit, and then there's those, you know, Christians over here that don't have the Holy Spirit. No. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in you. So here's the question. You ready for the question? Y'all can talk to me this morning, right? Last service, no big deal, informal, let's chat. Did you earn the Spirit or receive the Spirit? You received it, right? In fact, look at verse 14 in chapter 3 when he says, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might say it. Receive the promised Spirit through faith. Every text in Scripture, when it talks about the Spirit coming to dwell in us, speaks of it being Him, him being received, right? And Listen, we may disagree on the manifestations of the Spirit. We could maybe have a healthy Christian dialogue on how the Spirit works. But we're all in agreement on this. You ready? Ain't nobody ever earned the Holy Spirit. Like never, like as the Holy Spirit like looked at you and said, you're so amazingly obedient, I have to come live inside you. <laughs> That's never happened, ever. The Spirit is received by faith. Now, why is that such an important argument? Because here's what Paul is in essence saying. If the Spirit was received, then salvation is not achieved. Your approval, your identity is not something you do, and your conversion proves it because you received the Spirit by faith. Everybody with me so far? Heavy stuff. Here's proof number two. Not just conversion, but continuation. Verse three says, are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? So here's the question. Um, when you received the Holy Spirit as a Christian, why did you receive the Holy Spirit? Was it because uh, you can live the Christian life on your own or because you need help to live the Christian life? Duh. Of course. That's why the Holy Spirit is called the helper. Because you need help. All right, you're catching on, right? In other words, we, we know this. Like, we receive the Holy Spirit and we need the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life because we can't live the Christian life on our own. The, 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 the very word for helper there, uh, when the Holy Spirit's called the helper, is paraclete, not parakeet, that's a bird, all right? Paraclete, it para alongside, clete from kaleo, which means to call, that is the Holy Spirit comes alongside us and empowers us to live by faith. Um, in our elder meeting this past Thursday night, we're going through some uh, leadership curriculum, and we came across an, an illustration that I'd actually heard before, but it reminded me of this passage. It's about a, a mom who takes uh, her boy to this very formal concert of a very uh, world-renowned pianist, and, and she's having a conversation, and she, she turns and looks, and her son is gone. And she's, like, terrified, doesn't have any idea where he went, and then all of a sudden she hears 
her son on stage at the grand piano in front of all of these people in tuxedos and formal dress and about to start the concert, and he's playing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And everybody's just like, what in the world's going on? Somebody get this kid. And, 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 and then the, the world-renowned, the famous pianist saw this little boy, and this is what he did. That's awesome, right? Here's my point, all right? I love you, but at your very best, you're twinkle, twinkle, little star. That's, that's about the best you got in the Christian life, all right? Fingers and all, do, 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 right? And, and so what happened? That's a good illustration of that word paraclete uh, coming alongside. The Holy Spirit comes alongside us and causes us to do what we in our own strength wouldn't have the ability to do. This is what Paul is saying. Listen, it was not only did you receive the Spirit in conversion, but you need the Spirit throughout the Christian life because you can't live the Christian life on your own and you know this. It's by faith in the beginning and it's by faith all the way through. Proof number three what I would call circumstances. In verse 4, he mentions suffering. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? I'll, I'll tackle this one quickly. Uh, you don't have to answer out loud or show a hands, but how many of you have, have really gone through suffering before? How many of you have gone through a time in life where, where you really had a dark, difficult time and you really suffered? What got you through that? Your morality or faith in God? Faith in God. And I've got like a thousand examples I could give you as a pastor. What I don't see when people suffering is saying, well, you know what? I'm going to turn to my record of good works to get me out of this pain. No, they say, God help. I don't see any way out of this. Please, by faith, I trust you in this pain. Don't you see? It's faith. You don't turn to the law in moments of suffering, you turn to faith in God. Proof number four, the confirmation of miracles. Verse five, does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Let me ask you this simply. Uh, faith family, uh, answer me this. Do works move mountains or does faith move mountains? Faith moves. Isn't that what Jesus said? It's faith that moves mountains. In other words, miracles don't happen because you do A, B, C, and then God promises to do a miracle. Miracles happen when you say, God, I trust you to do something supernaturally. I trust you to do what I can't even imagine could be done. I trust you to work. Is it law or is it faith? Is it what you do or is it about what he can do? 
Are you seeing the argument? Is this difficult text becoming clear? It's faith in conversion. It's faith in continuation. It's faith in suffering. It's faith when you need supernatural things to happen. And then proof number five is probably the one that is the most difficult for us to understand because it's directly related to the context of the Galatians. Now, if you've been out for a few weeks or maybe you've just kind of forgotten, what's the name of the group that's attacking the Galatians. Talk to me. The Judaizers. And what is the Judaizers? What are they arguing? They're saying that being accepted before God is Jesus plus circumcision. Of all the Old Testament laws to keep, they picked that one. No idea why. It is Jesus plus circumcision. It is something you do, and therefore it's the works of the law that makes one accepted before God. Are y'all with me? Now, the one that they're going to go and argue uh, about is Abraham, because Abraham is the first one in which circumcision is instituted. So here's Paul's argument. This is so good. Look at verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness, knowing then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham, and the Scripture foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles by Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, and, all, and you shall all the nations be blessed. So when those who are of, are blessed along with Abraham, the man of, let's have a conversation. Hey, Judaizers, um, you know how you kind of say that to be approved before God and accepted, you got to have Jesus and circumcision? Uh, you know how you kind of base that on Abraham? Um, well, guess what? When was Abraham counted as righteous? When did Abraham get his approval before God? When was Abraham's identity settled? It was when he believed. Genesis 15, and Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Guess when circumcision came along? Genesis 17. After Abraham had already been counted righteousness. How do you like them apples? Isn't that a great argument? Like you can't, you, this is like using Luther against the Lutherans. All right? I mean, Paul is turning Abraham against the Judaizers and saying, even Abraham proves that being accepted before God is by faith, not by works. That one final proof, it's the biggest one of all, uh, and it's the cross. Amen? Look at chapter 2 and verse 21. Chapter 2 and verse 21. Paul says, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, that is what I do, then Christ died for no purpose. That's a powerful argument. Now flip over to chapter 3, verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it's written, everyone who is hanged on a tree. Cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Here's the short and sweet argument here is right here, okay? If you've zoned out, zone back in. If you think what you do gains your approval, then you see the cross as unnecessary. 
In other words, if there's anything that proves that your identity is not about what you do, it's the cross of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus came and died under the curse of the law and fulfilled the law so that you could be free from the law because you can't keep the law. All you just look right there. That's all the proof you need to know you can't do enough. Because God had to come in the flesh and die to set you free. So here's the entire argument. I'm coming after you right now. You ready? You better not fall asleep out there. Here's here's the whole argument uh, in a nutshell. If your conversion is by faith, if you have to live daily by faith, if you endure suffering by faith, if you've seen miracles by faith, if our biblical forefathers were saved by faith, and if the cross proves the necessity of faith, then how can you be so delusional as to think your identity before God depends on you? Case closed. It's insanity. It's, it is foolishness. For you to think that your, your approval, your identity is in anything that you do, but is in what Christ has done, which you receive by faith. Now, we've got to get this. We know this, but we've got to live in this reality if we're going to be free. Here's why it's so important, and I'll close with this. This is why your freedom depends on really understanding um, that my approval is not something I earn My approval is something I have in what Christ has done for me. Number one is because without it, faith family, and I love you, without it, you're never going to be secure. There's a lot of insecurities in the room. That is, we're we're trying to gain the approval of this group. We're trying to gain the approval of our spouse. We're trying to gain the approval of the people we go to school with. And all of that wells up in us insecurities. And we always feel like we've got to do more to justify ourselves. Augustine said this. This is so good. Augustine said, Oh Lord, deliver me from the lust of always having to vindicate myself. Deliver me from the lust of always having to vindicate myself. You know what? Many of our insecurities, if not all of our insecurities, would be free if we would accept who we are. What is cause, Christian, what is causing the insecurities in your life is identity amnesia. Get over the insanity of seeing your works as your approval and see his work as your approval. Number two is not just security, but you're never going to find rest in your soul until you live in this and accept this reality. These are the words of a a great old hymn. It says, Lay your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet. Stand in Him and Him alone, gloriously complete. Nothing either great or small, nothing sinner, no. Jesus died and paid it all long, long ago. It is finished, yes indeed, finished every jot. Sinner, this is all you need. Tell me, is it not?
weary, working, burdened one, what for toil you sow? Cease your doing, all is done long, long ago. So lay your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet, and stand in Him and Him alone, gloriously complete. Look at me for just a moment. The reason why some of you in the room have a big smile but sad eyes and nobody wants what you've got is because you're not free. You're tired. And I don't mean you didn't get a lot of sleep last night. I mean your soul is restless and you know it. Because you're running this race every day in a culture of merit, thinking you can do enough, and you're biblically insane. You have lost sense of who you are. And your soul will be restless until you get it. Here's a third reason why this matters. It's not just for our security. It's not just for the rest of our soul. But it's also for our joy. You're never going to know true joy until you get this, until you accept this. Um, almost said Paul Bunyan. That's a totally different person. Uh, John Bunyan. John, that's much better. Uh, John Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress. He was... Uh, um, describing a day when he was out for a walk and just meditating on what all of this means to be justified by faith, to have approval in God and not from what I do. And this is what he said. This is so insightful. He says, quote, I realized that it was not my good frame of heart that made my righteousness better. Nor was it my bad frame of heart that made my righteousness worse. My righteousness was Christ Himself, the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then did my chains fall off my legs indeed, and I went home rejoicing in the grace and love of God. You will be like that testimony that I read at the beginning. You can go from depression, from despair, to joy pouring out of you when you realize your identity is secure forever in Christ. It will well up in you a fountain of praise because you know who you are. Joy. Don't you want joy? It's found in knowing your identity in the person of Jesus Christ. Oh, I want this. I don't want to just talk about this. I want us to experience this for our security, for our joy, for our rest. And lastly, is you're never going to truly live, truly live until you know this. Jesus said this. I'm going to close. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life. If you know it, say it with me. And life abundantly. Look at me. Jesus didn't come and die on the cross and rise from the grave so you could live a tired, restless, uh, uh, bondage life. He came so that you could have an abundant life, a life of freedom. 
And that comes when we know who we are. When we know His life, we truly live. And not until. So this morning, I'm asking you, are you suffering from identity amnesia? Are you like Lauren? And somewhere between the time you leave in the morning to what you do throughout your day, you forget who you are. And you let a culture of merit rob you of living out of the kingdom of mercy. This morning, may it sink in that you don't have to live for approval because you already have it in Jesus Christ. And if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Pray with me. Oh, wow, Father, our soul needs this. I am, I am so like the Galatians. Uh, we, we can preach this stuff and we can teach it, hopefully with clarity, and we can be a gospel-centered church and then walk out into the culture and live based on merit. Defining our identity and our approval based on what we do, and we go right back into bondage. So this morning, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the rock-solid argument that we have seen in Galatians 3, that it is insanity to think that our approval is based on law, based on morality, based on what we do. It is only and always about faith in Jesus Christ. So for those this morning that are living in that bondage, for those this morning that, that really don't know what freedom is about, I pray that they would experience a gospel explosion in their life right now. That the chains would begin to fall. And whatever bondage they're in, that they would experience the freedom of Jesus Christ. And we ask this in His name. Amen.